Oh, what fresh hell is this? This is the Cigar Tipsters Podcast. podcast it is april the 30th junior senior ben and alan we're all here with you tonight kurt's on sabbatical uh death in the family there so we'll excuse him for uh missing a show this time uh so with that said let's go get right into the material here and get into what everybody's smoking tonight i myself have the uh lacia black from the one and only sam lacia uh, you may have heard of this one before. It's got a five-country blend of tobacco. One of those five tobaccos being Kentucky Fire Cure. Uh, now, you may have heard me speak ill of Kentucky Fire Cure in the past, but it's a it's a small portion of this Lucia Black blend, and that's one of the reasons why uh, I really enjoy it. it. It gives a hint versus a, uh, an onslaught of, of that particular flavor. So it's a pretty good in this regard. So, uh, Senior, what are you smoking over there tonight? I've got the uh, Camacho Triple Maduro. Uh, very good. And uh, that Triple Maduro is in a, a particularly different size. You gave me one the other day that I enjoyed. It's, uh, what was the yeah, size of that? Uh, five and a half by 44. And I have to say, uh, like you, not, really not like just it. an enjoyable cigar, but definitely uh, enjoyed the size as well. Uh, ben, what are you smoking over there? Uh, as of right now, due to the weather constraints, I'm actually not smoking at the moment. But earlier, I had the King Cigar that you had sent me, which uh, is the Dominican. I believe a Dominican Puro, if I, had, if I believe. It looks to be a Robusto size. Uh, it was it was awesome. I had a no less than about a half hour ago, so just finished it. All right. And to round us out on the what we're smoking this evening, what you got over there, Alan? I am doing the uh, My Father... Number three, which is a uh, six by 49. And um, I am enjoying this tremendously. Very good. And you mentioned uh, after we got through with the last podcast that you had a particular uh, cigar that you wanted to uh, speak a little bit about. So at this time, I'm going to turn the floor over to you for a little while. Well, actually, it's not a particular cigar. It's a particular size of cigar or shape of cigar. Now, if, if you'll think back, you know, I met uh, you and Senior at the Chattanooga Tweet Up a few years ago, and I was doing the um, cigar trivia. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Right. And, I, don't remember. I, think, uh, I think Senior actually won a round of that cigar you, trivia, actually. Uh, I won the first day and failed miserably the second day. <laughs> ah, okay. okay. I, knew, I knew you guys had, had won something. But, um, you know, one of the questions that I have always used in my trivia is about the, um, the shape cigar called the Calibra which basically means snake, and, you know, it's something we're, we're pretty much all familiar with, although we, we may not have smoked it, you know, and it's uh, basically a panatella, and while it is uh, still wet and pliable, they will braid it. Uh, usually it's three cigars, and then they tie them together. 
and um, then of course they dry, and the idea is that you you, you pull the card, and you either have three cigars to smoke, or you know you have a uh, two cigars that you can share with friends. It has always been uh, about this cigar, or the one we use in trivia, is always you know well, what does that mean? Well, of course oh, it means snake, but what was its original purpose? You know, and the answer to this, and I've probably read this in half a dozen books and uh, read it in magazines, and it's uh, one of those stories that gets perpetuated forever, is that in the factories, they had a problem with the rollers uh, smoking the cigars. So what they did was they came up with a cigar that they could give them. So it's like uh, they would have a breakfast, they'd have one for lunch, and then they'd have one for dinner. And that while they were rolling the cigars or whatever they were doing, they could smoke on these. And it would be very easy for a uh, factory foreman or the person in charge to see that uh, they were indeed smoking the Calibra and not a straight-sided cigar or a Parejo or even a Figurado. And that's been the story. And uh, wherever you go, pretty much that's the story you read. Well, I've been doing some research, and I find out that this is just not true. I'm going to come at it from two points of view. If you've ever been in a cigar factory and you get into the La Galera, the, the gallery where they're actually rolling the cigars, you don't see people smoking. I mean, think about it. The rollers, the bunchers, the, the blenders, nobody is smoking cigars inside the factory. And if, if you think about it, it makes perfect sense because... They don't want to contaminate the cigars with a cigar that they're... And, you know, indeed, uh, the factories may have been giving rations or rations of cigars, you know, to their factory workers, but they were not smoking while they were rolling cigars. And if you look at of the factory floors you don't see people with cigars in their mouth. And those photographs where everybody does have a cigar, you don't see the Calibri. They are all straight-sided cigars or they're Figurados that aren't Calibris. And, but those photos are all promotional. And again, they would never allow anyone to smoke you know, in the factory or on the rolling floor itself. So that's part one. Part two of this is the cigar was actually created in the Philippines. Now, you know, as strange as that sounds, you've got to realize that the Philippines has just as much of a cigar history and a cigar heritage as Cuba has. I mean, they were both Spanish colonies, and they've been creating 
growing tobacco, producing cigars in the Philippines since the late 1500s, the same as Cuba. So the Calibri was actually created in the Philippines. And again, it was a Panatella, and while it was still, which is a, a thin cigar, and while it was still wet, they would braid it. Now, the only thing I've been able to come up with so far is the reason for it was it was easy to ship. And that's my tip for all of us. So if you've not smoked a Calibri, I highly recommend you try one. It's not going to taste any different than uh, any other cigar in the manufacturer's line, but uh, it's interesting. It's kind of a fun thing to try, even though we don't see many of them. To your to your first point, where you were talking about not allowing uh, smoking in, inside the rolling area, me and Senior were having a, a similar conversation yesterday uh, about a particular shop in Tennessee, and you know I'm not going to name the particular shop because it doesn't really matter, but this shop. Uh, instead of having a humidor, literally they humidify the entire shop. So when you walk in the door, the entire area is humidified. There are cigars everywhere, but at the same time, there are people smoking around cigars. And what got us on the subject was they sell ligas at this particular store. And most of most of the ligas that I've seen are not wrapped in cellophane. So you have people smoking other cigars... Uh, with all that smoke wafting directly in the direction of these Liga Pravadas that you're paying uh, a, a pretty penny for. And to me, you know, you're contaminating, you know, Ligas are good. Nobody's going to argue that. But, you know, you're contaminating it with uh, acrid smoke from other cigars. And, you know, that's something that me and Senior both talked about being bothered by uh, when we had this conversation yesterday. Yeah, it's interesting. I've seen probably in all of my years of going in and out of cigar shops, I have seen maybe a half a dozen uh, different shops that were like that. And it always kind of freaked me out a little bit because of the, the same thing. It's like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm sitting in your, your lounge, but your lounge is in the middle of your stacks of cigars and the whole place is humidified. And it, it just, it's like, um, are you really selling these cigars fast enough for them not to become contaminated? And I, and I really don't think that's the case. I can't tell if that is the, uh, you know, lazy man's way of uh, creating a humidor you know, or if it's supposed to be some special kind of mystique. Uh, you know that, um, you know, I am partial to even the lockers uh, within a cigar shop being in their own separate area, you know, and not outside where, um, you know, the lounge is where, where people are sitting and smoking. Mm. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely important to to keep your stock, whether it's locker stock or just inventory in the humidor, separated. You know what what got us on the subject of that store I mentioned was 
you know, we were talking about bad burn and having some issues with a couple of cigars here and there. And I, I mentioned specifically that the ones that I had gotten from that shop where everything was humidified as one big room, everything, nothing ever burned right. You know, I, I spent more time fighting the cigar than enjoying it. Oh, that that's just hideous. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the, the, the one thing I, I really cannot stand when I'm smoking a cigar is fighting with it, whether it's to keep it burning or to, to burn it straight or uh, to get a good draw, the, the fighting with the cigar, it's just not worth it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the few times where I've ever, you know, thrown a cigar out, you know, when it, when it frustrates you to the point that, you know, you just don't want to smoke it anymore. And you're like, okay, I'm done with this. I'm, I'm just going to put it out and be done. This shop that uh, had the old or where was this? It's actually uh, it's in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and uh, it's it was more of Senior's haunt than mine. He was the one who originally introduced me to it, and I got the chance to stop by there a couple of times in some of my travels. I mean, it's the people who run it are really nice. You know, it's in a nice downtown uh, location, easy to get to, uh, has a nice little bar next door. It, it, you know, it's kind of, it's close to being the perfect package if they just had a, a better humidification situation. And has a tremendous selection for the size of the store. I mean, he has the Ligas, he has the Fuentes, um, he has the Opus, he's... He's got one of the larger selections of Opus X that I've seen in any in any humidor. But uh, we have two shops here in Knoxville that that uh, open humidor. They're owned by the same guy, and uh, would you believe it that both of those shops had closed, and uh, he had opened up a different shop with a separate, where he, he you know put away a separate humidor for his cigars with a door in between them, like like the way it should have been. So. I've I've never been a fan of open, you know, open because you know the door opens and humidity flies in and out. You can't keep the humidity at a proper temperature. And if you've got Opus X or Padrones or something, you know, twenty thirty dollars or God forbid Davidoffs, you know, you, you want that at optimal temperature and humidity. You know, so you're asking somebody to shell over twenty thirty dollars for a cigar, and I can't guarantee whether it's been humidified properly or not, and that. You know, it may smoke fine, but you may have burn issues because Tastes of that. like um, everybody else's cigar. Yeah, and then everyone's smoking in the same room, so everyone's smoke is blending with all the cigars there, and it's just, it's not proper. It's disrespectful. Well, and there's another shop that's in Alabama, in Florence, Alabama, that was the same way. And it was to like what Alan was talking. The walls were lined with cigars, and the smoking area is right square in the middle of it. Now, I know they had talks of expansion and I think a walk-in humidor, but I hadn't been in there in quite some time, so I don't know if any of that progressed or not. Well, have you gentlemen been down to Corona in Orlando? No, not yet. Well, you know, from the advertising, the way people talk and, you know, their hype, but it's like Mecca for a cigar smoker. First time I went into one of their shops, I was freaked out. 
because literally that's what we're talking an open shop with the smoking area the lounge right in the middle of the place yeah that's just, yeah that, that is uh, in, in the cigar world that that's that's probably my second biggest turnoff between people uh licking their cigars and uh, using shop cutters after they lick their cigars. Those are, those are probably my two uh, pet peeves in the cigar world. But it's okay. Use <laughs> uh, <laughs> your cigar cutter, right? Do what? That's, that's, that's also what I like to use cutters other you, people's but... cutters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's just disgusting. You know, there's a there's a funny story here in in Atlanta. Uh, one of the shops have one of those big chrome cutters on the counter mm-hmm. that a lot of people buy their cigars and then they'll cut it. You know, and it's got the straight cuts and the V cuts and different sizes depending on what you buy. And this woman came in, bought a cigar licked it and then stuck it into this cutter and the young lady at the register said something to her about that that was like that's disgusting you know people use it and uh, the next thing i know or the next thing they knew the cutter disappeared and they're <laughs> they're convinced this woman uh pinched it yeah, it, oh god! I wouldn't wouldn't doubt it a bit, and I, I don't know if she pinched it from just a desire to have the thing or from her own embarrassment. But uh, e- either way, I think she was uh, trying to tick some people off. Yeah, that is, it's definitely a social faux pas for sure. And uh, you guys are listening to the Cigar Tipsters podcast. If you're an Apple user, check us out on iTunes. Just search Cigar Tipster. Uh, if you are an Android guy. You've got Stitcher or a host of other opportunities in the Android world, including Google Play Music. Uh, They just recently started doing podcasts, but we are found there as well. Uh, Don't be afraid. If you've got anything you'd like us to talk about on the show, hit us up on Twitter at Cigar Tipster or Facebook at the same thing, at Cigar Tipster. Uh, We're pretty easy to find. Now, I ran across uh, an interesting article the other day uh, from Cigar Aficionado. And I actually managed to say that correctly, so yay me. But uh, the title of the article was The Top top Ten Cigars That You'll Probably Never Smoke. So uh, did everybody have a chance to kind of take a look at the list? And I'm not going to go through the whole list, but there's a couple of interesting ones. But I'm curious if anybody has smoked anything that happens to be on this list. Uh, Now, I have. uh, Let's see... Which one was it? It was actually the Padron 64, the Anniversary Series Millennium. I have actually had that one. It is really good. There were only, I believe, 100,000 of them originally made, so it wasn't easy to come by. But in terms of the rest of them on the list, has anybody uh, gotten lucky enough to smoke one of these or maybe even know anybody that has? I'll have to say I didn't get a chance to look at the list. It's been a pretty crazy week. You're fired. Um, well, if I didn't get if I didn't get fired for that, I was fixed to get fired for the news story here in a few minutes. So I might as well get. 
No, well, I, I have not. The cigars on the on that list were pretty rare. Mm-hmm. And I, I've always had this thing about, you know, I can only wear white shirts because that's all the store carries. <laughs> you know, okay. I can't I can't wear pink polka dot shirts because nobody carries them. So if your cigar shops don't have them, how do you smoke them? <laughs> well, and I thought one of the odd ones that, that I thought was on the list was the uh, Fuente Don, Carlo, Don Carlos Box Press Bellicosos. Uh, one that was self-admittedly made for Carlos Fuente Sr. himself that he only gave to his friends. It's not even a cigar you can go to a cigar, uh, to a shop and buy. So in that case, other than obviously being particularly rare, why put it on the list? You can't even buy it. I don't know. Unless you were standing with Carlos Fuente Sr. in front of him while he handed it to you. (laughs) That's the only... That's the only way to acquire it. Well, that's pretty rare circumstances. So, and now, the Cohiba Bihike, though, there was a few of those that were sent on. They're still being made. Uh, But I just, uh, the rest of it, I've not had. I wish. What? What? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to spend a hundred dollars for a cigar. No, I'm. You're going to be lucky if I spend twenty dollars on a cigar. Uh, if I, to me, if, if, if you hit the $10 range, it's gotta be really, really good. You know, 10 and yeah. above, you know, you gotta give think, me a real reason to buy that cigar again. I think these cigars might be something you'd see on a, on an auction, like a, a Cuban cigar auction website. They have a few of those out there where there's somebody who's had a stash of them for years and he's just selling, you know, so you gotta just kind of be in that specific niche market to, to find them if someone has them. But if they've only done limited runs, you know, like you said, it's going to be impossible to find them in the general public. You'd have to go seek them out individually. Or you got to uh, go shopping on uh, Tuesday through Sunday when the shops aren't closed. Sure. <laughs> yes. Yes, and, that's correct. Uh, you know, th- there was one or two Cubans on this list, and speaking of Cubans, uh, Benjamin, you you uh, did a little writing on some Cuban action on uh, the Cigar Tipsters blog, so uh, give us a little idea of uh, what you wrote there, and we'll discuss it a little bit. Yeah, so uh, essentially what the blog is, is, is getting, it kind of makes two points. Um. You know, there's there's a very there's a lot of like Hollywood romanticism that goes with Cuban cigars. You know, they they became popular, you know, by way of Fidel Castro. He had uh, a bodyguard who gave him one of them that was made by uh, one of his friends, Eduardo, and so he fell in love with the flavor and the taste of cigar. Complimented him, and actually from there uh, built the El Aguito factory, which is where Cuban cigars, the Cohibas, are rolled. Uh, I think even till till Still today. Um, and so there's a little bit of, of etiquette is the first part of the blog where, you know, if, if you are smoking a Cuban or you're with someone that is and you happen to know that it's a real Cuban or not, be respectful of that person. Don't don't just run up to him or her and say, oh, are you smoking a Cuban? Or, you know, how did you get that? You know, it, if there's a way that, that somebody can get the Cuban cigar, whether he flew down there and brought it back himself or got it from a third-party website, 
it's for them to enjoy. Now, if they want to share one of theirs with you and, and develop fellowship, I think that's one thing. Uh, but, you know, Hollywood has portrayed that Cuban cigars made, you know, uh, since the 1961 embargo, the since they're illegal, all these mob bosses uh, in these movies. And the first thing they have is anytime there's a cigar involved, it's always, quote, a Cuban because it's illegal. And as a crime boss, I can get whatever I want underground. So it starts developing this this theorem in, in your head that, oh, you know, if I can get a, a Cuban cigar or a Cohiba, then it's, it's special and it's going to taste better than anything else. Um, there's an actual term for that type of mentality. It's called emotional taste perception, where if you have a preconceived notion or perception of a cigar and how it's going to taste because of its history or background or profile, that you think it's automatically going to taste better than everything else that you have. Um, and I, I, I don't find that to be true. I will say that, you know, using the Cohiba uh, brand, that there is some special uh, specialty about it. It's not just the fact that we can't get it here in the States because of the embargo, uh, really. Um, you know, it's been smoked in the UK for, for many, many years. Uh, that's, they have a whole market specifically just to Cuban cigars. In fact, I think they have more trouble getting Dominicans and Nicaraguans, which is the opposite of the way we would get it here. Um, which we smoke those predominantly here. So, you know, if you happen to get one of the Cuban cigars, like like the Cohiba brand, uh, Fidel Castro set aside 700 acres to grow special tobacco with special torcedores and, and, and you know, that tobacco just to make that cigar. Um, and so it, I'm sure it, it is delicious. I've had one or two uh, in my life, and they are good. I will grant you that. It smokes a little differently. The characteristics are different tends to be more medium to full body to add strength. They tend to use a, you know, tends to be a stronger cigar on average. Um, but, you know, as an everyday smoke or as a preference, I actually like the complexity and finesse of a Dominican over the Cuban, um, you know, as a personal preference. So just because I happen to have a Cuban, I, I wouldn't argue that it's necessarily better because it's Cuban. Uh, there's a lot of good tobacco coming from a lot of different countries you know, Honduras, Brazil, Dominican Republic, Nicaragua, that are less expensive that we can get here that, you know, uh, that you just need, need to be mindful of that. Um, so if you can get your hands on Cuban cigars, fantastic. Enjoy them. You know, share them with friends if you want. Um, but don't, don't ruin anybody else's experience because of that, that misconception. I've had... The biggest problem with, with the Cuban cigar again is is exactly you put your you nailed it you know it's the mystique and there are just as many not so good cubans you know as there are not so good other country cigars right and when you get a good cuban it's good but then again, when you get a good Honduran, a good Nicaraguan, good Dominican, uh, good Costa Rican, even a good Filipino, they're, they're great cigars. Right. Exactly. It's still tobacco, and they're still subjective to bad crops and good crops and good years and bad years like any other country. Uh, you can have good rollers, bad rollers. You may have that batch made by rollers that were upset that year because they missed their annual bonus or whatever. And so now it doesn't smoke right. Does that mean that cigar is 
bad? No. You just may have had a bad batch, but it works the same thing from Cuba. It's all hand-rolled, hand handmade, uh, and they're all susceptible to mistakes like anyone else. So uh, to me, good tobacco is good tobacco, whether it's Cuban or Honduran or anywhere else. Um, but the mystique of that, you know, I can't have this Cuban cigar, so when I get it, it's special, I think it's just misconceived. Well, you know, one of the most consistent things that I hear about Cuban cigars, and I've even experienced, is that they're young. When you get one, uh, and it's real, you know, it's a real, true Cuban, it probably needs a good six months to a year to mature. So you, you need to let it age. You need to get it and put it away to really enjoy it. As where, you know, you take a Dominican, a Honduran, Nicaraguan, when you buy them, they're ready to smoke because they've taken the time to age them properly as we're in Cuba. They really need the money. So second it's rolled, it's shipped out. Yeah. Cause they pay cash. They have to pay up front. I don't think they, they export them out on, on credit like a lot of other countries do. They, so they build them, they make them, and they get them out as fast as possible to get the influx of money into the, into the country. Whereas Dominicans and Nicaraguans, I think they have a much more abundant supply and they have, you know, so they can afford to wait a year or two before that's ready to ship. They don't have to go out that fast. And so I think the aging on them and Cubans in general tend to be more full of strength. Like you said, I think because of their adolescence, they're just younger cigars. So they've just been freshly rolled and they haven't had time to marry the flavors and relax and, uh, you know, set as properly as, as other cigars that are out there. So, and maybe that's where the strength comes from. Well, when you all come here for the Woodstock tweet, uh, uh, <laughs> I, I happen to have a box here aging for you all. Oh, awesome. Ooh. Nice. Sweet. It happens to be a box of Partagas. Very nice. Oh, it's a classic. I mean, matter of fact, let me open up this safe. <laughs> Yeah, let's see. That, oh, I'm sorry, guys. It's a unopened box of Romeo and Julieta. Oh, very nice. Wow. And That's it's good. the, uh, they are Coronas. Ooh, awesome. Oh, perfect. Nice. It's on my box of Partagas. There's only two left. <laughs> So it'll come down to the uh, first one of you that comes to visit. Uh, we'll smoke it. <laughs> or them. What time's breakfast in the morning? <laughs> uh, we serve breakfast between 7.30 and 9. And then coffee and a cigar after, right? It's, it's That's called, right. It's called breakfast jump up. <laughs> okay. You can ask me what that is. No idea. Yes. Breakfast, that's where you jump up and make yourself breakfast. Ah, okay. <laughs> ah, I see what you did there. Like, <laughs> All right, so it's a good, good, good discussion on Cubans there, and thank you, Ben, for the blog. Uh, now, uh, yeah. normally we, we've gotten accustomed to doing a little bit of a new segment, but due to the, uh, 
the particular subject that Senior decided to bring up, I think this is going to be a one-story night in terms of the news. So, uh, Senior, I know you've been itching yep. for this one. So, uh, Yeah, and like I said, I'm probably going to be fired off the news desk after this because it's more of a rant than a cover of a story. And I rant away. Uh, Cigar Affectionado posted April 25th of this year that the FDA had confirmed a uh, study and said that children do not smoke premium cigars. You really? For our purpose of, really? Because, yeah. Yep. How shocking. Yes, shocking. For our purpose <laughs> of, of the story is going to be, we told you so. You know, we, we've been preaching this all along. Well, it was between, uh, it was funded by the, the National Institute of Drug Abuse and the FDA, but no information whatsoever now, in the future, anywhere on the FDA website regarding this study. They took uh, 40, almost 46,000 people total. It was 45,971, of which 13,651 were children ranging in age of 12 to 17. And the reason you're not going to see this on the FDA's website or very little published about it is they didn't get the result they were looking for. Of course. No. Within well, five bucks. And only out of the 13,651 children that they uh, surveyed, only 2.3% of them ever smoked a traditional cigar. Well, one problem I've got with the traditional cigar portion is they they incorporated um, flavored cigar. And I don't think anyone on this podcast will agree with the fact that a flavored cigar is traditional. Yes, it may be hand-rolled and made, but it's still not your traditional 100% tobacco cigar. I agree. Then they went on to use the term ever. Well, ever is a broad spectrum there. I mean, are we talking two puffs off of dad's cigar butt you found in the ashtray and relit 10 years ago or what? But again, even with those vast numbers and opening it up with the flavored cigars, only 2.3% of them said that they'd ever tried a traditional cigar, which is, in their definition, a a hand-rolled, what we consider to be premium. And it dropped even less, down to seven-tenths of a percent of them had tried one within the last uh, 30 days of being surveyed. They found out further that... And half of those were lying. Probably. (laughs) Probably. Now, the one thing they didn't include was the cigarillos and the tip cigars, you know, the the black and miles, the white owls, all of those types that fall under those categories. But they did find that uh, 4% or 4 tenths of a percent of them had been introduced and were using some form of the e-cigarette. And another 1.5% of them were smoking cigarettes. So if, if they're so concerned, that's where their focus needs to be, not in premium cigars. 
But my rant, and maybe here's where everybody wants to get their little tinfoil hat out with me. I've got mine on now. Is where, <laughs> is where I'm going to tell you that it has absolutely nothing to do with the children. It is solely about control and money. The government is looking to obtain control of anything and everything that they possibly can. And they're generating revenue stream. Also within that, and and I may piss some people off here, but my view is, and it has been since the beginning of this, is that big tobacco is partially in bed with the FDA. Because at no point are you seeing much pushback from big tobacco. The little guys are out there hustling, trying to do what they can, but it's minimal. Whereas big tobacco could be making an impact. CRA is doing a little bit, but and I am a paid member of CRA and will continue to be. But it's not to their advantage to win the war. They are just like the NRA. They want to win battles along the way, but if they win the war, then there's no reason to have them. Okay. So, you know, and again, this, this may be my conspiracy theory or what, but I don't see where big tobacco is really getting involved with it. The boutique guys are. And, and from, from the standpoint of big tobacco, they got really deep pockets. And they can, you know, if the FDA eliminates a third of their competition out there for them, hey, more power to them. You walk into a humidor that's got, you know, used to have 300 facings and it was split up between boutiques and big box or and the major players and stuff like that. You walk back in it, they still got 300 facings, but now 98% of them are your big, uh, tobacco company. Now, granted, I understand within the FDA's paperwork and things that they're trying to push through, a lot of how we see a, a typical cigar shop could change and, you know, having to buy them out of a book and crap like that. But I, I don't know. I, I just look at it and say, you know, why are, and that's another point. Why are we at this point fighting with the FDA so hard? or trying to say that we're fighting so hard. Why were we not fighting it before it ever went to Congress and they got approval to take over? I mean, it's a whole lot easier to change something before it happens than it is once they've got control of it, take it away. And I'll take Yeah, that's little, true. I'll take my little tinfoil hat off and say, you know, do you guys agree, disagree? Think I've lost my mind? Have I fired? Um. <laughs> Wait, wait till this well, black helicopter goes over the house. And I'll <laughs> tell you what I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> um, and didn't they put a new director or acting commissioner of the FDA, Dr. Uh, Stephen Ostroff, Ostroff, whatever the hell his name is? Didn't they put him as the new commissioner for the FDA? And so, and he's supposed to be pro tobacco. Like pro cigar, I think. I don't know if anybody did any research on that or not, but supposedly he's like 
if people have hopes that he's going to kind of overturn the FDA's regulations. But it did, the FDA did come really abrupt, really hard, really fast, like more than it ever should have. And it wouldn't surprise me, considering that big tobacco is the only industry where you have to fund, they're, they're required, legally required to fund its own opposition, that they would go in cahoots with the FDA. Their secret dealings above that wouldn't surprise me one bit. Now, the, you know, I have heard this conspiracy theory that says that big tobacco would love to see all these companies out of business, get rid of their, some, some of their competition. But there's another conspiracy theory out there. I don't know if you guys have heard of it but that this really comes down from the cereal companies. And they were really after the uh, vaping people, basically because of what the vape juices were being called, because they were making it sound like breakfast cereals. Yeah, that's, uh, so that, they would have basic liquid go. called frosted mini wheats. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why? If you ever want to do something covered. really yeah. interesting, take a look at the names uh, of some of these vaping juices. I mean, you would think you're. It's a Saturday morning cat cartoon show. Yeah, I'll have to. I've never paid that much attention to it, but I'll definitely have to take a look and. Uh, get a better uh, feeling of, of what they're naming stuff over there. You know, yeah, I, 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 I totally agree with you, Senior. We were asleep at the switch. I don't think anybody in this industry thought it was going to be as bad as it was. And I don't think any of them had the concept that the deeming rules were going to be the way they were. And we all got caught with our pants down. I think the only thing that's really going to save us is, and I'll I'll give it three parts. You know, one, we are lucky enough for Congress to get enough of them to sign on and finally remove premium cigars from all this stuff. Uh Trump turns around and says, you know, this is ridiculous. You're you're putting too many people out of business. You know, and or we win the lawsuit. Yeah, I think that's something that, uh, you know, has kind of gotten pushed to the back burner. You know, there are, you know, CRA plus a couple of small guys. There are lawsuits out there that are still waiting to go go to court basically so all is not lost you know they go at the end of august good well i'm not saying all is lost i'm just saying it's i don't see as much fight going on as it seems like there should be for for what we stand to lose well alan are you making a point are you are you kind of dancing around that premium cigars are just casualties of the war and we're just sort of 
I don't know what you call it. Uh, we got hit by friendly fire in the midst of a battle between cereal companies and, you know, going after the vaping. And because it's all under one umbrella, they can't exclude and just go after one industry. So they have to go after the entire armada of the, of the industry. And we're just kind of caught in the crossfires. To a certain extent, but, that that's exactly what I'm saying. If you really want to get into it, how is vaping even tobacco? It's not. It's completely synthetic. Exactly. So if you want to go after vape, go after vape. You want to go after cigarettes, go after cigarettes. You want to go after cigars, go after cigars. But I think they should all be done separately. You know, this, this concept about the big tobacco, I think big tobacco, even though they have deep pockets, has been beaten up so badly after the last 40 years that they are just keeping their mouths shut. They're just hanging back. You know, it's like we've already been involved with all these crazy deeming rules and laws and regulations, and we're just going to take a back seat to all of this. You know, you guys are, are dealing with it. So now you know what we've been through. Okay. So basically, your, your thought process there is that big tobacco is just like, you know, whatever. We're, we're just going to ride it out and see what happens. Exactly. I mean, well, let's really, face it. We're talking about a legal product. Okay. Bottom line, it's legal. And, you know, what they're trying to do is to control behavior. I don't really believe this has anything to do with health, and I don't think it has anything to do with protecting the children. Okay? You know, you know it's, it's strictly, I think it's bad for you. And therefore, I don't do it, and I don't think you should either. So I want to control your behavior. So I want to make sure this is uh, we make it as difficult as possible and expensive as we can to, to ensure that you don't do this. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I kind of agree with that. You know, in, in terms of big tobacco. They, they don't have that much to lose because there's always going to be people smoking cigarettes. And a lot of people who do smoke cigarettes are not going to quit. So, you know, their money's made. They, they, they just hang back, ride the storm. And, you know, the people that smoke today, odds are they're still going to be smoking tomorrow. So they, they don't necessarily have to fight hard. And they acquire new smokers every year. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and to Mark's point there, or Junior's point there, on the cigarettes, they will continue to smoke because right now in the Northeast, you know, cigarettes are eleven, twelve dollars a pack, and they're still smoking. That's true. So that's not stopping. So even the the, the price increase isn't stopping them. They're like, well, okay, I'll just work a little harder, make a little more money, and and buy my cigarettes. Well, that was their first, I think that was actually the first attempt at it to 
to control cigarettes was, you know, we'll tax them to death. Because, again, you can buy, say, a pack of Marlboros. You can buy those here, Tennessee, southeast most part, for five bucks, a little over maybe. Yeah. So up there, the primary part of it is tax. You know, just like they do uh, Kirk up there in Minnesota with the cigars, you know, the taxes and stuff. And I think that was their first attempt, thinking that, you know, we slap all these extra taxes on here. People are not going to smoke. Yeah, they are. So just pay extra. They're going to find a way to smoke. Well, you know, another thing I find interesting is that they always want to increase revenue. But then they'll increase the taxes to increase the revenue. And what they find is that the revenue goes down. Counterproductive. Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, I think we've had some really good discussion tonight. Now, whether it's uh, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, you can find us at Cigar Tipster, same handle on all three. Uh, if you prefer, <clears throat> prefer to do it the old-fashioned way, of course, uh, CigarTipsters.com, and you'll find links to all that social media and all of the various ways that you can get the podcast uh, there on CigarTipsters.com. So before uh, we wrap everything up tonight, does anybody have any uh upcoming events they want to announce or just any uh, comments, viewpoints, or emotional outbursts before we uh, shut her down for the evening? <laughs> uh, I got to meet Ernesto. Oh, yeah. I'll throw that yeah, out I there. Meant, I meant to bring that up. Uh, old Benjamin got to meet uh, E.P. Carrillo. Yeah, cool. he was doing an event out here uh, in a new cigar shop, and he was – I actually well, – you can't see it. I'll, I'll, I'll share a picture of it online, but he took a cedar sheet from a box and wrote some notes on it about different parts of the primings of a plant and some sort of formula on here. Um, it's, it's pretty much gibberish to me, but it's a little memento that he gave me <laughs> to learn. If, he's, if you want to grow tobacco, use this as a guide. I said, okay. <laughs> but he, he's well, just cool in person as he is. Yeah, I will. I'm going to keep it in tidy it up but um he, he really is as cool a person as you'd see him on tv or like on online or whatever he's, he's a really cool dude was jose blanco with him no he wasn't i was that would have been a double for me but no he wasn't there it was just ernesto about uh, other so lisette was not there no she's scheduled to be at that shop i think in the next week or two so he was there and then i guess she was going to come by later because she's doing some other event right now so but it's not been confirmed she's going to show up just yet but she was scheduled to after him you'll definitely want to go meet her yeah absolutely you know since everybody's name dropping uh you know i've i've met the legend jerry garrett before (laughs) <laughs> you okay. mean Jerry? All right. Yeah. I'm afraid Alan's got Alan's Not got to be Al, Alan's. Uh, Alan has played bed and breakfast for <laughs> for Jerry. <laughs> yes, Jerry got to have uh, breakfast jump up. Infamous Jerry Gert. <laughs> All right. Well, it's it's been a good show tonight. Uh, let's see. On behalf of myself, senior Ben. 
and uh, Alan, we wish you well, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. See ya. This has been a Cigar Tipsters production.